Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by Ian Boyd. Welcome all Longhorn fans. Uh, a little Sunday talk here with Ian. Uh, Ian, uh, you were down at Media Days this week. I was as well. I figured that maybe we'd talk a little bit about something different that we haven't necessarily hit on yet as a group, and I haven't really seen or read elsewhere. I want to kind of take player by player in what we thought of the guys that Texas showed up with uh, in Arlington uh, to talk about things. And I think the player to start with is Quinn Ewers, uh, the quarterback, sophomore, redshirt sophomore from South Lake, uh, the leader of the team. If you listen to the other guys, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, your thoughts on what you heard out of Quinn this week. He is a, a soft-spoken guy, but a little more quietly confident than maybe I thought he would be. Maybe than he's been in previous media availabilities, like when he would do like post-practice pressers um, uh, last season. I think you can tell that he he feels like he's got a better handle on things at Texas and the playbook and his role on the team. And um, it seems like his his sort of reticence to to talk loudly or be very expressive in media these days is more of a a reflection of his personality than it is a reflection on uh, lack of comfort with like the spotlight and with, um, with being the guy. It's very well, interesting. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. I was going to change track a little bit. So please. Yeah, no, no, I mean, you and I, we were talking to him in a gang of reporters There were about 10 of us there. Mm -hmm. um, and we both asked him questions. Your last question to him uh, was, have you all worked any at all on the deep ball? Right. That was kind of you and Xavier worthy, et cetera. Um, what did you think of his response to that and recount it to people that that didn't ha get a chance to listen? Yeah, somebody. Well, somebody else asked about the deep ball and, and he mentioned that they'd been working on it. And I said, hey, Quinn. And then you get the, the Bianca. One last question. And I said, hey, Quinn, what, what do you what was the reason for the disconnect between you and worthy? Um, I didn't quote the stats at him, but I did get a hold of the stats recently. And, and their connection last year was really bad when you accumulate when you add up like he's where these numbers looked decent on the surface but when you look at how many targets he got they're very inefficient very bad um anyway and uh quinn just kind of paused for a moment thought about it and then he just he just settled in his he just found in the rolodex the right answer and he was just uh i don't know i just i guess i guess i got just got too excited too much adrenaline yeah. And he just kind of he's just kind of blowing it off like I'm not really going to dive deep here. I'm just going to give you a nothing burger and and go about my day, you know. Yeah. Um, which I think speaks well of him even though I would have preferred to actually get an answer on what went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Let's segue into Xavier Worthy. If you well, don't let mind. me you will no, let me oh, know. You have something more on Quinn? Yeah. I'll, I'll just note that he um he's listed now at 62196 or something like that. And um, with these quarterbacks, you never know on the listing. Like, I don't know what they list Dylan Gabriel at, but I bet he's not as tall as his listing. Quinn is every bit of six foot two. He is, he is a pretty tall, um, fairly commanding presence these days. He's not, he's not very thick. So with injuries, you know, don't jump in the air if Dallas Turner's got a good beat on you again. You don't want that guy to land on top of you. You do worry a little bit about injuries, but he has a, he's a big kid in, in a good way. 
I want to talk about Xavier Worthy because we just mentioned him and I got a chance to, to set aside and talk to him a little bit. Did you get a chance to or no? I did. I talked, yeah, with him a okay. little bit. Um, I felt like Xavier grew up a little bit. Um, and I and I don't mean that that he wasn't a grown-up beforehand, so I'm not I'm not trying to say that. It felt like when I when I got him and, and talked to him about the injury last year and what it took to overcome it. Um, he seemed forthright and pretty dedicated to make sure that not only was the hand healed, but also he's doing the work he needs to do with the jugs machine, with Quinn and the other quarterbacks catching a, a, a he didn't tell me how many balls a day he was trying to catch, but he said he, he's done it every day this summer, like and not missed a, a day. And so that look, he's a guy that, we can say what we want, but he's probably gone next year. Um, he would like to be because he wants to go make his money in the NFL. Like he most likely would be, will be able to, but we talk about contract years. Sounds like he feels like this is a contract year for him. No doubt. And I think for, you know, fans are always wondering like, why can they not just play the talented high upside young guys? And the reason is a lot of times is that those kids just don't feel the pressure to really put in high-level winning effort until they see their window closing, you know? And uh, it's like you see that with Z Xavier's work ethic this offseason has, has clearly been beyond what he's put in in the past. Um, and that could pay enormous dividends this season, we hope, for for health, although he could come back one more year. Um, he He's another one that had sort of a quiet confidence. Whenever he got a question that he didn't really like, well, I, I asked him the same question as Quinn, more or less. And he just kind of looked down at me a little bit because he's all of like six one and I'm you know, like five eight. And he kind of just looked down at me, his eyes kind of narrowed, and he's like, I don't know, it just didn't connect. And you could just see in his eyes, just like I'm gonna stick this in y'all's face. If I first time I catch a deep pass, we'll see, you know. Um I, I think that him and Quinn both have some confidence born of of you know actual preparation and not just uh not not swagger confidence, but I know I know what I can do because I've proven it on the practice field. Confidence, which is the kind that I want to see from a team competing for a championship. Well, it was interesting. Both of them gave me the same. I asked a similar question to them individually. They probably um, got a little sick of answering that one. <laughs> yeah, no, but I asked I asked them early uh, during the the uh, morning session uh, for the radio folks, and and I got to actually interview for him. He he uh he said Quinn and Xavier had the same thing. They said reps. They've done a lot more reps this year, um, which I think is just terrific. You know, and ultimately that's going to be what what makes them have a connection or not, right? Um, let's go. Let's go to another guy. Keep this going because I enjoy this conversation, Ian. It's being with Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com uh, on on Texas football. Uh, the next guy I want to go to is Jade Barron. Uh, young man, defensive back. Uh, your thoughts on on what he had to say uh, at this uh, event, and you know where you see him uh, as a senior. Smart, well-spoken guy, Jedi Barron. Um, not not real big or intimidating in person. That's okay. You know we've seen what he looks like on the field. Uh, Quandre Diggs was not big and imposing in person either, but he's sort of similar to that guy. A little less brash than Quandre. He told a great story uh, about um, 
the TCU game, when Terry Joseph pulled him aside, I wrote this up on Inside Texas this week. Terry Joseph pulled him aside like right before they made the, the Bevo walk to the stadium when they were back at the hotel. And Joseph was like, let me show you this thing one more time. And he pulls up this play where Oklahoma State had run a swing screen to their running back and really hurt Texas with it. And uh, Joseph told Barron, like, we're going to get this. They're going to run this once, at least once in this game coming up. So we got to be ready for it. And uh, I found the the play and gifted on, on Twitter and put it in the article. And you can see Barron, he sees it coming. He gets around the block. The blocker has no chance. He blows up the running back four yards behind the line of scrimmage, one of his three tackles for loss in that game. And then you can see him kind of pointing to the sideline like, there it was, we got it. Um, he strikes me as a very well-prepared, um, very, just very keenly aware of uh, what he's trying to do in football and, and how to find success with his skill set. And totally has embraced star, the star position, um, totally embraces the, the, the grind of, the, of preparation and study. He, uh, he praised Jalen Catalan as the ultimate film rat, but he appreciates that as well. He's, um, I don't know, he's, he seems like the total package to me. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Ian, uh, I, I felt like I, I, I would uh, echo some of your sentiments. One thing about Jalen, uh, Jade Barron or Jedi Barron that you could say is that he's able, it's clear he's able to take things that are told to him off the field and translate them on the field. Not everybody could do that, you know, and, and perhaps his eloquence or whatever you want to call it, intelligence, that translates to, to what he sees on the field and is able to pull off. Uh, a couple other guys that were there, Jordan Whittington and Jalen Ford. Uh, you want to talk about either of those guys? Uh, I'll, I can give a little on Whitting, Whittington's kind of like the old, the old guy in the room. <laughs> the, old, the, the old grandpa. He's very comfortable in the media. You know, he's done this a million times. I Actually, this may be his first time as a representative of Texas, but he came last year for like some kind of a humanitarian award he was receiving. He, he's very comfortable with the media, told a lot of stories, very comfortable in his shoes. Um, he's actually a little more of an imposing figure in person. They keep, they've been listening him at 205 for a couple of years now. I wonder, he's, he's thickly built. So I wonder if he's actually heavier than that. And um, he told he told some great stories about Quinn stepping up. Other guys mentioned that that Whittington has emerged as a leader on this team, which we've reported. Um, very uh, fun, amiable guy. 
that he he also all of these guys exuded a lot of confidence. Maybe that's partly why Sark brought him. Gotcha. Um, speaking with Ian Boyd of Inside Texas, I, I spoke with Jalen Ford one on one for a little bit. Um, I tell you what, uh, if I had to have one guy go out to the center of the field for a coin toss, I would pick Jalen Ford. Um, well-spoken, but earnest, um, serious about football, clearly, um, and ready to go for this year. I mean, it, I've got no doubt, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to have a good good year because it, it, just from listening to not only him talk about football and what it means to him and his preparation, but some of the things that Sark said as well about how he stepped into that role, Ian, I think is pretty impressive. I, I, I literally, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't say more about Jalen Ford. He's gonna, he's a preseason Big Twelve, All Big Twelve pick, preseason Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I don't know if he'll end up being those things at the end of the year, but he's not going to be far from them uh, if he, if he just stays healthy, uh, because I, I think he's ready to go. You know, really, a, a recurring theme with all of them is it, it seems very clear that Sark and every player he brought has a very clear appreciation of the opportunity ahead of Texas this season. Just how, what it would do for their own personal legacies and their own personal careers to be a part of winning a Big 12 championship at Texas in the last year. I think, I think they can all, like, they all understand that, you know? They all they all grasp that, and they all are very confident in what they want to accomplish this season and how they're going to go about doing it. Got maybe it. they're you know maybe that's fluff. We've been fooled by Texas teams before, but they seem they seem genuinely confident and and uh, aware of the moment. They need to put up some points that this year for sure. The defense should be better. Um, one of those guys though on on offense that you and I talked about on Friday's live stream that we wanted to double back on and talk about today uh, was Jonathan Brooks, the running back. Uh, I mentioned uh, that Steve Sarkeesian actually talked about this. His only issue with Jonathan is, is he going to be a guy that can handle 20 carries a game? Because he's clearly shown the ability to be a good player when he's playing. What, what did you take away from that with Sark and, and his thought process? Yeah, we, we mentioned this in, on the live stream Friday, and Jerry had a good point that uh, Sark is probably motivated to try to get Cedric Baxter on the field more often um, than he has with maybe some guys in the past. Sark has been known for being like a bell cow kind of guy. Like he's had a 1,000-yard running back like every single year. He's had guys like um, – Oh, shoot. He had a guy at Washington that had like 350 carries one year or something like that. He fed Bijan very heavily, even though he had Roshan to mix in. He still fed Bijan a lot. That's just been how Sark has done things. Um, that's not always the model in college football these days. Like you look at Georgia, Georgia will maintain a stable of like three future NFL backs, and none of them will go over a thousand. And they'll all be drafted, so they probably none of them are like overly concerned about it. I wonder if Sark is uh, potentially going to amend his strategy to try to run more committees in order to keep talent flowing into Texas. It's also possible that to that we can just take him at face value, and that he's not sure if a guy like Brooks, who's like two hundred five, 
if he can handle being like a 30 carry kind of player, you know, like he may not have a, a, a thick enough build for that. And so you may have to play it by committee, whether Sark wanted to do it that way or not. Um, I, I think there was a lot to parse there. Didn't you? Yeah, I did. And, and I, I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to rebring it back up. Uh, and you and I talk about it today. Um, the problem that I see is that Brooks has had injury histories. Uh, both years at Texas, he's been injured. Uh, that being said, I, I think that one of the ways that Texas can, um, and, and Brooks has looked good, is in the passing game. Uh, that touchdown catch against uh, Washington in the Alamo Bowl. Um, he is one of those guys that is quick enough in the open field to make a linebacker miss, strong enough to break a tackle. He can do both, okay, and then has good enough hands to make a tough cat, a tough catch. So those three things combined, I'm not sure another running back has that, including Cedric Baxter. Baxter, I think, has the speed and hands. I worry about him really being a, a, a shake, a shake and go guy um, on the outside. He's more of a one cut and go. Um, the only other one that I feel really fits that, that can actually break a tackle as well as evade people, is Savion Red. And so when you start talking about those guys in the flat and not just running power behind the center, right, um, you're looking at different elements of their game that might might fit. And uh, I just wonder, ultimately, if Brooks is healthy, I think he's the most well-rounded experienced back Texas has. He may or may not be the most explosive because I do believe that probably might be Cedric Baxter. So there is a year that comes to mind when Steve Sarkeesian was not the coordinator, but on a staff where they had one running back who was big, young, great for like under center power sets. And then another running back that was deadly in the flats a little more of a spread type guy, although it wasn't really a spread offense. And um, both of the running backs ended up with 200 carries more or less that season. And that was the uh, 2005 USC Trojans with Reggie Bush and Lindale White. Um, so, I mean, to your point, they could, um, they could rely on Brooks when they play more of the spready 11 personnel kind of sets that we expect them to major in more this year. But then when they do want to get into power sets and get like Cameron Williams at tight end or whatever, which I think they will maintain as a prominent piece of the offense, that could be when they go with Baxter, you know, and just have sort of a um, different running back for a different um, setting, especially like when they're like in a four minute offense mode and they want to run clock and take advantage of the new clock rules in the second half. You could really see them getting Baxter involved in that capacity. All right, good discussion there. I want to. I you just brought something up that I want to hit on before we we uh, call it a a day here or a, a, a segment here on Texas football. You just brought up that clock segment uh, discussion. Uh, Mike Gundy brought that up and, and talked a little bit about it. Um, he said that now he thinks that the end, it's going to be more of an NFL like game in that instead of six minutes to go, everybody's still trying to score as many points as they can. He thinks you're going to start seeing. Uh, college teams do what some NFL teams do and that start running clock at six minutes as opposed to maybe three and a half or four. You think that's the case? Yeah, probably. No, he has every reason to say that because they were pivoting towards a more of a power run deal anyway. So 
but Mike Gundy, he's such a funny guy because he has like a, uh, what's the way to say that? He's like a, um, uh, uh, eccentric rural intellectual. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, he's, he's very much a Oklahoma lives on a ranch kind of, you know, Rube kind of guy, but he has a very strong intellect hidden behind that. And his observations and uh, sense of the game and its adaptations are always very on point. It's partly why Oklahoma State has uh, been effective for so long under him. That that point I think could be could be really big. Like to his point, I used to drive me and probably everybody else crazy when Tom Herman would try to sit on leads at Texas. And then they would let teams back in every dang week, right? Um, with the new clock rules, that becomes way more manageable. When you when you can when you can run thirty seconds of clock on a first down. Um, that I mean, I'd be curious to see somebody do the math on how much more time you can chew up. But it used to be like you go into the fourth quarter, a two score lead is not safe at all. And that could change if you're a team that can actually run the ball. Another reason to have those big guys up front moving the ball and pushing the point of attack. All right, uh, that's going to do it for today. Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com, thank you for joining us. uh, And we'll see you next time on Texas Football.